day 80 of The Story That Changes Everything. Our readings for today take us through the brief but beautiful book of Ruth, chapters 1 and 2. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. The book of Ruth serves as a countervoice to the harshness and darkness we've just endured through the books of Joshua and Judges. It's a quiet book. There are no miracles done, no prophetic oracles pronounced, and although God's name is spoken, the activity of God is at best on the margins of the story. It's easy for us, as we read the Bible, to recognize the activity of God in major moments of action, creativity, and power. However, God's grand narrative is primarily written in small stories of great faithfulness. There are several theories about when and why the book of Ruth was written. The theory that seems most plausible to me is that the book of Ruth was written as a defense of David's kingship. There were those who might have questioned David's legitimacy for kingship. You know, he's not the oldest son of Jesse. He comes from Bethlehem, and his great-grandmother was a Moabite. This book responds that David's great-grandmother may have been a Moabite, but she embodies a depth and quality of faith and faithfulness to God that surpasses many in Israel. The first chapter of Ruth opens on an ominous note. It is still the uncertain and violent days of the judges, and to make matters worse, there's a famine in the area. Ironically, the town or village of Bethlehem, a town whose name means house of bread, was completely out of food. There are several decisions made in the story that preachers and other interpreters often read moral or immoral intentions into the story, but the text actually makes no moral judgment upon them. These decisions seem to be viewed by the text as decisions made by people in desperate circumstances trying to make the best possible decision that they can make for themselves and for their family's survival. The first of those decisions is for Naomi's husband, Elimelech, to move Naomi and their two sons, Malon and Kilian, from Bethlehem to Moab in search of food. If you remember, the Moabite lineage is connected to the incest between Lot and his daughters. And several times in the Old Testament so far, the Israelites have had problematic and often broken relational issues with the Moabites. Nevertheless, this decision by Elimelech to move his family to the land of the Moabites is made out of desperateness, and it's given no moral critique from the narrator of Ruth. But then, Elimelech dies. The second decision that seems to be made out of desperation, without making moral judgment, is when the two sons take Moabite wives. Their wives are Orpah and Ruth. The text says that they lived in Moab for two years. And perhaps the sons lived in their marriages for a decade without producing children. And then they too died. When Naomi hears that the famine in Bethlehem has ended, she decides to return home. She urges her two daughters-in-law to stay in Moab and find security through their families or through the possibility of remarriage within the Moabite tribe. After some urging, Orpah returns This is the third decision in the story that sometimes gets criticized by preachers and interpreters, but again, the text makes no such moral judgment. Orpah has shown great faithfulness to her mother-in-law. Returning back to her home is the wisest decision she can make. However, Orpah's decision to return makes Ruth's incredible vow and commitment of faithfulness to Naomi 
all the more unique and laudable. The book of Ruth is not like the book of Judges. This is not a story about multiple moral failures. Rather, it's the story about one woman's unexpected faithfulness. In Hebrew, the word is hesed. Naomi prays that God would show his faithfulness or hesed to Orpah and Ruth in verse 8. But instead, Ruth becomes the embodiment of divine hesed or faithfulness to Naomi. When these two desperate women arrive back in Bethlehem, Naomi's return creates quite a stir. In an honest and heartbreaking lament that ends the chapter, Naomi tells her friends and family that she should no longer be called Naomi, a name meaning pleasant, but she should be called Mara, or bitter, because of the devastating and bitter circumstances that she has now faced in her life. Chapter 2 sets up the circumstances for the great resolution and redemption of Ruth and Naomi that we'll read about tomorrow. But in this chapter, there are three things to notice. The first is the significance of the law of gleaning. If you remember back as we read the Torah, the law of gleaning was given to the people that made sure that they didn't harvest their fields to the edges, and if things fell off the cart or things fell on the ground, they had to leave them there for the alien, the sojourner, the wanderer, in this case the widow, to come through and to be able to receive what they need. This law makes possible the survival of Ruth and Naomi in the story. Secondly, the unique moral character of Boaz begins to be revealed in this text. Now, this is one of the first harvests, if not the first harvest, after the famine was over. And here is Boaz not only making sure that there are gleanings left in the field, but he also shows interest in Ruth being cared for and protected. He's fully aware of the character that she has shown to Naomi, and he reflects that same character of hesed, of faithfulness, back to her. And third, this chapter reveals that Boaz is a relative of Elimelech. There's a possibility that he might be, for Naomi, what the text refers to as a redeemer, a family member who could make sure that Elimelech's lineage doesn't end and that Naomi's well-being might be secured. In the most difficult of circumstances, the book of Ruth tells the story about what can happen when great human character meets up with God's quiet providence. After the dark decline of the book of Judges, it's so delightful to read the story of contrasting love and faithfulness. So enjoy these two chapters today. Read them carefully, looking for things you've never seen before. Journal your thoughts, prayers, and questions, and then consider to whom you might show the steadfast love and faithfulness of God today. For acts of faithfulness are not only revelatory, but they're beautiful. Tomorrow, we see how the story resolves with Ruth chapters 3 and 4, and we're adding Psalm 34. I'll talk to you tomorrow.